Welcome. Good morning. Glad you are here. This is LifeBridge Online. This is uh, our time that we usually do our discovery hour where we have classes for all ages and stages. And uh, But right now, due to what's going on, we are live streaming. I'm Pastor Chris, and our desire during this time is to bridge the gap between biblical learning and radical living. And so right now is a great time to like and share. We say this every week, and yet uh, we want to get the good news out to everyone. So if you'll like this and share this, that would be a big help to getting the good news out. Now, we're in a new series, and the series is Surrender, Wisdom's Path to Success. And we're going to take a deep dive into Proverbs 3 during this series and kind of use that as our basis and foundation for diving into this path of success. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3. Now, if you missed the first message, this is the second message. If you missed the first message in this series, it's on our Facebook page under videos. It's on our web page under resources and messages. And you can go to iTunes in the Apple podcast, LifeBridge New Life Class podcast. Now, that first lesson was an overview of the book of Proverbs, what kind of book it was, and how it ultimately points us to the person of Jesus Christ as wisdom incarnate. And I don't want to take a lot of time, but it was two weeks ago. And so let's just review briefly what we hit on last week. You can watch the whole lesson. The book of Proverbs is one of five wisdom books that reveal the heart of a surrendered life. And so if you, that's why we're looking at this book. This is what the wisdom books help you do. Let me make a suggestion for you during this series. Read a proverb a day. Look at your phone, look at your calendar, whatever the day is, read that proverb until you're through all 31 proverbs. You'll do that. If you do that, you'll get through the book of Proverbs twice in the time that we teach through this series. Or you could just read Proverbs 3 five times a week. You say, why would I want to read the same chapter five times a week for seven or eight weeks? Because you will see things that you cannot see except for that repeated reading. And then the book of Proverbs specifically teaches us how to become wise. And we said that wisdom is the skill in living life from God's perspective. And how do we gain that skill? Proverbs 1.7 tells us we need to fear the Lord. When we fear the Lord, we'll see all of life from His perspective and then live accordingly. Thirdly, we saw that Proverbs are short, sharp statements of truth that are easily passed on. And we made the emphasis that they're not promises that are absolutely going to come true, but they are principles from the Creator God on how to live a successful life in His creation. And we live in a fallen world, so things are not always going to turn out perfectly in this life. But they are principles. Fourthly, the book of Proverbs reminds us that wisdom is ultimately personal. And I love, I love this quote by J.A. Metters, and it's this. Jesus is wisdom. He is the Proverbs 
wrapped in flesh. Don't you like that? He is wisdom and Proverbs incarnate. Wisdom is the Christ-exalting, spirit-empowered skill to live your life for the glory of God in every area of your life. And so before we dive in in today's lesson, let's, let's just bow our hearts and bow our heads right there where you are. And let's ask God to prepare our hearts and make us wise today. Heavenly Father, we come and we don't want to just proudly or cavalier way dive into your word. Lord, we want to come humbly and we want to come with a brokenness and with an awareness that we have foolish hearts and we need your divine wisdom. So, Lord, prepare our hearts. Let us see you in all your glory and all your grace. And, Lord, make us wise as a result of this lesson today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, wisdom wrapped in flesh. Amen. Amen. Hey, let's dive in. Let's look at it. I want to begin. Have you ever seen the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Uh, the plot has Indiana Jones and Nazi villains. So you can't really have an Indiana Jones movie without Nazis. And uh, so they're chasing after the Holy Grail. And that is supposedly the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. Now, none of it's true, but it makes for a great movie. And there's one famous scene in there <coughs> where this old crusader guards the cups and he tells the villains that they must choose, but also he warns them to choose wisely. For the true cup will give you life, and the false cup will take it from you. And so the Nazi villain looks at all, and there's just all these cups laid out, and he looks at all the cups, and he, 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 he just doesn't know which one to choose, and so his, his Nazi girlfriend picks the cup out for him. Great plot going on here. And so she picks out the most ornate, the most expensive, the most golden cup of all. And he says, yeah, that's it, the cup worthy of the king of kings. And so he dips it in the water, and he drinks from it. And as only Spielberg would do, his, he, he ages his life is sucked out of him, and he disintegrates into dust, uh, shrieking in front of them. And then the camera turns to the old crusader, and he says in this really understated voice, He chose poorly. He chose poorly. Yeah, the understatement of the century, all right? Then it's Indy's turn, and Indy comes... And he looks at all these cups and he finds the one that is the plainest, the most simple, no jewels, no ornateness to it. And he says, this is the cup of a carpenter, humble, simple. He drinks from it. He lives. He doesn't die. And the old crusader says, you have chosen wisely. Now, why do I take the time to tell you that? Because that sums up this whole lesson today. I want to encourage you to choose wisely, not poorly. I want to show you and by God's word and spirit motivate you to see that choosing the surrendered life is a wise choice 
and not a poor one. Listen, the world's going to say, oh, no, surrender, that's bad and that's negative and, and that, you know, that's not the rich and fulfilling life. But you're going to see today that choosing the surrendered life is the wise choice. And so what I want to do is just give you two reasons, two reasons why the surrender, why surrender is the wisest lifestyle choice that you can make this morning. And so from Proverbs 3 here and from the gospel, we're going to see two reasons why surrender is the wise choice. And here's the first one. Surrender is God's path to eternal success in his eyes, not in the world's eyes. Remember, wisdom is seeing life from God's perspective. And so the first reason you should choose surrender is it's God's path to eternal success in his eyes. So you have uh, Proverbs 3 open in front of you, I hope. And let's read verses 1 through 4, and then we're going to drop down and read verses 13 through 18. So follow along. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart Keep my commandments. There's that heart idea. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Those are covenant words. Hesed, kesed of uh, covenant loyalty and covenant faithfulness. Don't let covenant loyalty lead, leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good repute or reputation. The ESV has success there in the sight of God and man. Now drop down to verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding for her profit. See, there's wisdom personified as lady wisdom. For her profit is better than the profit of silver and her gain better than fine gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are all who hold her fast. So let's look at... From those verses, I want to show you seven rewards of the surrendered life. This is seven rewards. This is the success that wisdom can bring to your life. And here's the first one, a longer life. Look at verse 2 again. For length of days, they will add to you. Now, living life from God's perspective will potentially potentially lead to a longer life. I say potentially because living for God does not always guarantee a long life, but that's often the case. Remember, Proverbs, not absolute promises, but principles and guidelines for living life under God's guidance. And so remember here that many a godly person has died young due to living a surrendered life. I couldn't help but think of Jim Elliott and his four friends who were martyred as missionaries in trying to reach an unreached people group in Ecuador. And so they were living surrendered lives, radically surrendered, and yet their lives were cut short. 
John the Baptist was beheaded in his early 30s. Jesus was crucified in his early 30s. But listen, when Jesus died, he died as our sinless substitute. He took our sins upon himself. And three days later, he rose again from the dead, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering the devil. And now he can give eternal life as a free gift to anyone who bends their knee and surrenders their life to him. In other words, the person, man or woman, child, senior, it doesn't matter. The person who surrenders his or her life to the risen king can face an early death and yet realize that life, real abundant life, will have just begun. Uh, many a believer has said, when you hear the news of my death, don't realize this, I've never been more alive. And that's the idea here. Here's the bottom line. Sin, foolishness, always bring death and destruction. Listen, if we live life from the world's perspective, from our own perspective, we're going to go down the broad way of foolish destruction, and it's going to bring separation between us and God. Remember the first warning to the couple in the Garden of Eden, to Adam and Eve. The Lord said, look, do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, center of the garden. Keep me at the center of your lives. Do not eat from that one tree, but enjoy the abundance of the garden. But in the day you eat thereof, when you cease to be wise and live life from my perspective, you shall surely die. But you know what's interesting? In Proverbs 3.18, wisdom is a tree of life. The very thing forfeited by our great-great-great-grandparents, Adam and Eve, can be found again through the surrendered life. It's a tree of life to those who lay hold of her, and those who hold fast are called blessed. So the first reward of a surrendered life is a longer life. If not in this world, if it's cut short by what you know, the sin and the fallenness, then in the world to come, we are guaranteed paradise regained, the tree of life, living life in the presence of God with God's people in his place. Now, the second reward that we see in these, these verses is a better life. Not only a longer life, but a better life. Because notice what it says. For the length of days, look at verse 2, chapter 3, verse 2. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now here, think about this. A long life can be a blessing and a curse. Or a curse. A blessing or a curse. What makes the difference? What makes the difference is how those years are lived and what they are filled with. And what this verse says is that the surrendered life will have a life that is full of life and full of peace. Notice, it can, one of the rewards of a surrendered life is years of life. Living life from God's perspective will lead to a better life, a fuller life, a life worth living but also it will be a life filled with peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. It's a rich, full word. 
It means much more than peace. It means satisfying and fulfilling, living a life that's full and satisfied and fulfilling. It's living in God's presence and being able to count on His provision and to enjoy His protection. It's just this full idea that God will provide, He will protect, and He will be present with you. Listen, ultimately, such satisfaction, such shalom is found through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, which the prophet Isaiah called him the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. And so when we surrender our lives to the Lord Jesus Christ, the Prince of Shalom, his shalom, his satisfaction, his fulfillment will fill our lives. Do you realize the most common greeting of Jesus after his resurrection to his disciples was peace be unto you, shalom, satisfaction be unto you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to have greater satisfaction in your personal life, in your work life, in your financial life, in your marital life, your relational life? We're going to talk about many of those areas in the weeks to come. But the surrendered life brings fullness and satisfaction to those areas. Now, let me illustrate one way to sum up a longer and better life. And I'm going to do it with the help of Mr. Spock from Star Trek. Because Mr. Spock loved to greet people. How did he love to greet them? Live long and prosper. I think I'm doing that right. Live long. Not everybody can do this, by the way. Live long and prosper. Live long, a longer life, and prosper, a better life. Where did the actor Leonard Nimoy come up with this blessing? Well, guess what? He came up with it from an old Jewish blessing. And if you read the wisdom literature, you'll see that again and again, Living long and prospering are a part of the reward of a wise, surrendered life. In fact, just right here in Proverbs 3, 16, look at verse 16 in your Bibles. It says, long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honor. You want to have a full, longer, fulfilling, better life. Surrender your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, That brings us to the third reward, and it's this, a freer life, a freer life. Look at verse 4. Verse 4 says, So you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. You will find favor. Say, Chris, what is favor? Favor is active kindness or generosity that's exhibited particularly to those in need. It's the idea of helping and aiding the poor, assisting the young or the old, and showing compassion for those who suffer or who are oppressed and cannot help themselves. Now, here's the idea. It's active kindness for the well-being of another person or the health of an ongoing relationship. Now, listen. Those who wisely surrender to live God's ways 
will receive from God generous amounts of help, help, help and aid and favor in times of need. Now listen, it may not come when you want it to come, but it will come in His time. It may not come the way you want it to come, but it will come according to His ways. And it will come in a way that will work all things together for good and for His glory and the joy of other people. That divine help may come through a saved person. It may come through an unsaved person. It comes in a variety of ways, but that aid will come from the mighty hand of God. Now listen, Joseph, when you go through the Bible, men and women who lived surrendered lives received God's favor in a variety of ways. Think of Joseph. Received favor from God through Potiphar, his Egyptian master, and Pharaoh, the Egyptian king who worshiped false gods but god gave him favor because joseph lived a wise and surrendered life think of moses moses found favor before god in his time of great need in the wilderness he received manna from heaven he received water from a rock noah found favor in the eyes of the lord in a time of global judgment ruth we just recently as a church went through ruth ruth found favor in the eyes of Boaz in her time of poverty and widowhood. Listen, you feel abandoned, you feel alone, you're not sure how you're going to make ends meet, surrender it all to the Lord and you will find favor from Him. David, called a man after God's own heart, found favor in the eyes of many people when he was on the run and being unfairly and unjustly persecuted and oppressed. And in the time of his great sin, murder and adultery, he received favor, forgiveness, as he confessed his sin. Listen, a surrendered life will be rewarded with greater grace to meet needs, to overcome obstacles, and to endure hard times. We're in those times right now. And they may get more difficult. Now is the day to surrender it all, all of it, to the Lord. Now, Jesus lived a life filled with this kind of freedom and favor from God. In Luke 2:52, Luke says, And Jesus, this is the young Jesus, as a young person, he kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So, surrender is God's wise path to a longer, better, and freer life. But number four, a fuller life. A fuller life. Look at verse four again. You will not only find favor, but good repute or good reputation, or I like how the ESV says it, good success. Good success. Good success means that you're going to live in a way that pleases God and earns the respect of the people around you. You're going to have a reputation for one who pleases God and is worthy of respect. Now, 
let me tell you, when you live a surrendered life, not everybody's going to join you. You know, they're not going to all say, how can I do that too? And they're not going to all applaud you. But living a surrendered life will earn you respect. When you live with sincerity and when you live in integrity, even those who may persecute you will have to say, this is a man worthy of respect. Now we're going to persecute him. That happens. Okay, Jesus was that way. He was, they all admitted he was a man worthy of respect and had not sinned or offended God. You see, Jesus lived a full life even though it was initially a short one. Think about Jesus. I, I, we, sometimes we need to step back and think. Jesus ate with sinners. He laughed with friends. And yet he could also spend hours alone praying to God. He had a full life. He was a leader of men, and yet women and children were drawn to him. They weren't afraid of him. They weren't driven away by him. He lived a full life, and we can too when we surrender ourselves. And that brings us to the fifth reward, and it's this, a higher life, a higher life. Again, look at verse 4. You will find favor and good repute in the sight of who? God, vertically, and people, horizontally. That's the higher life. I like what Chuck Swindoll, he calls the book of Proverbs, or calls Proverbs, vertical wisdom for horizontal li living. Vertical wisdom for horizontal living. And that's the higher life. It's one where you can enjoy success in your vertical relationship with God and in your horizontal relationships with others. And that's the higher life. Now, there's, a whole, there's an old saying that if you're heavenly minded, you'll be no earthly good. But Jesus' life shows that that's not true. Jesus was extremely heavenly minded and yet his, his life did much earthly good, but even more, it did eternal good in providing salvation. And so, that, these things are good, right? But it keeps getting better. Let's look at the sixth reward of a surrendered life, and it's this, a richer life, a richer life. Drop down to verse 15. She, wisdom personified, is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with her. Think of the, all the things we desire in life, and you can, you can imagine anything, and it won't compare with the value and the worth of wisdom. Now, let me just ask you right now, and you can even put it in the comments, your response. Who wants to be rich this morning? Who wants to be rich? Right? Or richer. Who wants to be richer than you are? All of us. How many of you want to be Mahomes rich? Right? Mahomes rich. Over $450 million. I can't even comprehend that. Chiefs could have, could have given every citizen in the U.S. a million dollars instead of si signing Mahomes. I could sacrifice a few Super Bowls in order to get my million, I think. But listen, look at Proverbs 3. What kind of wealth is being promised to those who live a surrendered life. Look at verses 13, 14, and 15 in your Bibles. Blessed the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. 
For the gain from her is better than gain from silver, and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can compare to her. So let me be clear. Solomon is not promising a prosperity gospel here, where if you surrender your life, you're going to get healthy and wealthy and everything's going to come, you know, come up riches for you. Listen, instead, what's being said in verses 13 through 15 is this. Surrender your life to the Lord and you will get rich in the things that money can't buy. You'll be rich in the things that money can't buy. Can't buy. And you say, now, Chris, what are these things? Well, it's the things we've been talking about. Listen, money can't buy you, ultimately, a longer life and certainly can't buy eternal life. Money doesn't buy you a better life. Sometimes it brings a worse life upon you. It won't give you a freer life, a fuller life. Money can't buy a higher life and a right relationship with God. Money can't buy you love and it can't buy you shalom and it can't buy you satisfaction. Now, I've got some verses there that you can look at and see the danger of loving money and the things money can buy. But I want to put this forth in front of you. Think about Jesus. Jesus was truly the richest man who ever lived, and yet he never owned his own home and was dependent on the provision of others for most of his life. And yet, He had a rich life, a full life, a better life, a life that brought glory to God, a sinless life. And he was happy, he was content, and he fulfilled God's purpose for his life. But the good news of Proverbs 3 just keeps getting better. And here's what it tells us about the seventh reward. And it's this, a happier life, a happier life. Life. Look at verses 13 and 18. They kind of uh, provide bookends to our rewards of a surrendered life. Look at verse 13. How blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding. And then look at verse 18. She is a tree of life. Wisdom is a tree of life to those who take hold of her and happy are all who hold her fast. Now, There's two major words in the Bible, in the Old Testament, for blessing. And the one used here simply means happy. Happy. Surrendered lives are happier lives. And again, that doesn't mean that you'll never go through hard times. It doesn't mean you'll never get discouraged. It doesn't mean you'll never get depressed. It doesn't mean you'll never mourn or lament or grieve. I mean, we're in a time right now where I just find myself grieving, lamenting, mourning, distressed. And yet, there's a joy in knowing the Lord that circumstances can't take and rip out of my heart. And that can be the same for you. Listen, there's a happiness in a surrendered life that difficult people and difficult times cannot rob you of. And that's why the Bible says, 
choose wisely today. Choose wisely. Choose to surrender your life, not just today, but hold on and keep surrendering no matter what may come your way. Now, as I work through these seven things, these seven rewards for a surrendered life, I couldn't help but think, is this a prosperity gospel? Will, will people think that the Bible teaches prosperity gospel where do this and you automatically will get rich? Well, I don't want to take a lot of time for this, but I felt for my own sake I wanted to think through this, and, and I'm sharing it with you. Here's three reasons why wisdom, the reward, uh, sur- the reward of a surrendered life, is not a prosperity gospel. And here they are. Proverbs are not promises, but principles. Listen, our reward for surrendered life is not guaranteed in this life. It's not guaranteed. But over the long haul, and in light of eternity, the surrendered life will give you a longer, better, freer, fuller, higher, richer, and happier life. And if not in this life, then in the one to come. Secondly, Proverbs are not merely principles, but ultimately a person. Our reward is in and through a relationship with the Lord. So this isn't some prosperity scam where send me money or surrender your life and you'll automatically get this mechanism to kick in. The scam will kick in to where you'll automatically get rich quick. No, the richness and the reward comes in and through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Third, Proverbs views life from God's perspective and not the world's pleasures. In other words, our reward is from Him, through Him, and for Him. Listen, life lived from God's perspective is not merely about riches in this world. It's ultimately about spiritual wealth in the coming kingdom, laying up our treasure in heaven. It's not merely about physical health, but spiritual health. It's not merely the horizontal. It's ultimately the vertical. And so let me encourage you to choose wisely today. Surrendering is the wise choice. Do it, and you'll be rewarded by God and others. Now, that's the first reason why you should choose a surrendered life today. But maybe you're like, Chris, this is still overwhelming. I've tried it. I can't do it. What if I fail? What if, what, I, I just, I'm overwhelmed by this. Well, let me give you the second reason why you should live, choose to live a surrendered life. And it's this. Surrender is God's plan for eternal salvation in His Son. It's God's plan for eternal salvation in His Son. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel about a surrendered life. Jesus lived the surrendered life for us so that He could live the surrendered life through us. And that's good news. And let me show you how he did this. First of all, Jesus lived the surrendered life for us. And I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2. So turn your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2. And we're going to look at that famous 
verses, verses 5 through 11. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11. And when you move through this, this passage, you see that Jesus' entire life from eternity past to eternity future is one of a surrendered life. So notice, in eternity past, in the incarnation, the Son surrendered His wealth in glory to do the Father's will. Listen to Philippians 2.5. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, he was equal to God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be selfishly grasped, but emptied himself, not of his deity, not of his divine attributes, but of the wealth of glory that he, re- he deserved to receive and did receive in heaven from thousands upon thousands and myriads of angels. He emptied himself of his privileges, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Jesus chose the surrendered life in order to become God incarnate to provide salvation for you and me. But then here on earth, look at the second aspect. Here on earth, in redemption, the Son surrendered His will to do the Father's will. From the day he was born to the last breath on the cross, Jesus lived a surrendered life in order to do the Father's will so that he could provide salvation for undeserving sinners. And of course, the climax of that came in the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross where he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. And he surrendered himself to the, the, just the crushing punishment physically, but more importantly, spiritually, of bearing the sins of the world. And even his last breath was this on the cross. Father, into your hands I commit, I surrender my spirit. He lived the surrendered life by surrendering his life into death. No one took Jesus' life from him. He surrendered it joyfully, voluntarily, in order to provide salvation for us. Philippians 2.8 puts it this way, Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient, surrender, to the point of death, even death on a cross. But it doesn't stop there. In eternity future, in the new creation, the Son will surrender His whole kingdom to the Father. He'll surrender all that He is and all that He has received as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We don't often think about this. So think about Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Having lived a surrendered life, He died, He rose, and then He got the reward of a surrendered life. Look at Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, the ultimate reward. But listen, 
It doesn't stop there. Having lived that surrendered life and having conquered and become the king of kings who rules over everything, what does Jesus do? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, we are told, 1 Corinthians 15, 28, we are told that this sovereign king surrenders everything, the entire universe he rules over. He surrenders it to the Father so that God can be God can be all in all. 1 Corinthians 15:25 says this, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And when all things are subjected to the son, then the son himself will also be subjected, surrendered, submitted to the father who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Wow. Jesus really lived the surrendered life for us. But ultimately, why did he do that? Yes, for the glory of God, for the fame of his name. But also, number two, Jesus lived the surrendered life for us so he could live the surrendered life through us. That's the good news of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, We preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block, to Gentiles, to the world, foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God on the cross is stronger than men. And then he drops down and he says this in verse 30 of 1 Corinthians 1. But by his doing, you are in Christ Jesus, who has become to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So that just as it's written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Folks, here's the good news. Jesus lived the surrendered life for us so that he could live it through us. Listen. The surrendered life is not impossible for the believer because we don't do it in our power. It doesn't depend on us. Ultimately, it is Jesus who is living his life through us. Listen, we have resurrection power to live a surrendered life. Yes, surrender goes against the grain of the world and it goes against our flesh. It calls us to humility and it calls us away from pride. It calls us to think before we speak, to live and act wisely. Listen, the bar is set high, so high that it's a bar of perfection. But Christ has met that standard and he did it for us so that he could live it through us. So listen to Philippians 2, 12 through 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling in the fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Listen, this is the gospel wisdom. Jesus lived the surrendered life for us so he could live the surrendered life through us. 
But we need to remember the surrendered life is active. It's not passive. Yes, Jesus is going to live it through us, but we have to, by faith, surrender ourselves to him, give him our sins, receive his righteousness, and then trust him day by day to live that surrendered life through us. If I had to summarize the surrendered life, it would be from Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It's my life verse, and it answers so many of life's questions. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, all areas of your life, acknowledge Him. That means surrender, submit to Him. Bring Him into every area of your life and He will make your path straight. He will reward you richly, deeply, eternally. So why choose wisely this morning a surrendered life? Because it's God's path to eternal success in His eyes. And it's God's plan for eternal salvation in His Son. And so I end with this this morning. Choose wisely, not poorly this morning. Because there's a lot of ways to surrender poorly, but there's only one way to surrender wisely. And so if you look in your notes or here on the screen, sometimes we do non-surrender. And that's when we say we surrender, we pay lip service to God, but in our heart and our life, we don't live a surrendered life. Secondly, we can have half-surrender. That's where we kind of give up some parts of our lives, but we live double-minded. We live with a, with a lukewarm spirit, and in the end, that's not surrender either. Sometimes we're fooled by one-time surrender. That's the kind of thing, okay, I'll do this now to get God or other people off my back. I'll do it once. I did it when I was a kid, but then I proceeded to live my life the way I wanted to. No, the ultimate wise way of surrender is total surrender. That's the only kind of surrender that truly fears the Lord and will be richly rewarded by the Lord. And how do you know you've totally surrendered? By continual surrender. The proof of total surrender is by one choice and one day at a time. So let me encourage you this morning. As the old crusader said, do not choose poorly. Instead, choose wisely. The surrendered life will be richly rewarded, and it is God's plan for salvation. We don't earn salvation by our surrender. We don't receive reward because we have done it. Christ can do it through you this morning. And so as we close, let me just ask you, what kind of surrender characterizes you today? And have you ever chosen to receive the surrendered life of Christ so that he can live it through you? You can do that this morning. In the comments, you can... 
tell us, hey, I need help with this or I'm doing this right now and this is what I want to do and I want help to, to know what it means in my life personally. We are here to help you. And then let me just end with this last thing. Let me challenge you to memorize Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Memorize it, meditate it, and then apply it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come and we are so thankful that you have revealed wisdom to us. We're thankful that Jesus is wisdom wrapped in human flesh. And we're thankful, Lord, that though we are born sinners and born rebels at heart, you care enough to provide through your Son a means by which we can go from foolishness to wisdom, from darkness to light, from disobedience to obedience, and then you graciously give us favor in time of need and you give us the rewards of living a surrendered life. Father, you are a great and awesome God. May many, may all who hear this choose wisely this morning and live a surrendered life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen, amen. Hey, look forward to this study and uh, we'll continue it here in next week.